0: Welcome to Eagle Nation. Your hosts are Waza, Dan and Wayne.
1: In this week's episode of Eagle Nation we speak with Chris Waterman. Chris started his junior footy with Ross where he was eventually recruited by the Eastern Manor Football Club at the tender age of fifteen. He played a total of sixty one senior games. He was part of the magnificent seven in the Teal Cup in nineteen eighty five and they all ended up at the Eagles. At the end of nineteen eighty seven he was drafted by the Eagles and made his debut in round five of nineteen eighty eight. Under coaches John Todd and Mick Malthouse he ended up playing a total of 177 matches that included 22 AFL finals, 3 grand finals and 2 premierships for the club and he earned player life member status in 1997. In 1998 Chris retired from footy. In 1999 Chris began his coaching career taking on the role of defensive coach at the West Coast Eagles. In 2001 he was appointed defensive coach of the Fremantle Dockers until the end of 2005 under Damien Drum, Chris Coached both the 2004 and 2005 Western Australian State teams, and was assistant coach there for 2007 and 2008. In 2006-2009, Chris became the senior coach of the Peel Thunder Footy Club, and then in 2010 he swapped over to CBKO, which he held until 2012. Chris has had two sons in the father-and-son selections at the Eagles, first with Alec, and now with Jake playing in the current lineup. On this episode, we'll try and cover as much of Chris's connection with the Eagles and football as possible, so let's get into it. All right, welcome boys, welcome to the show, and welcome
2: Chris. How are you going, mate? Thanks for having us, guys. Uh, It's great to be here.
0: Um, Thank you very much for coming,
1: mate. We don't often get big guests like this on our show you're the first one don't lie come on <laughs> with a test case um before we get into footy tell us what you're doing to yourself these days mate
2: um i'm sticking on myself a fair bit although i have been involved in a, a foundation the drug awareness foundation one of my mates unfortunately, and tragically lost his son six years ago so we've yep. done a fair bit of that and we've just got federal funding so i'll probably go a full time but i've enjoyed just doing a bit of career work the last six years after 30 years playing and coaching straight yeah i got out and thought i've had enough of it also i'm enjoying that um, I've tied up with a little bit of sports management with Paul Pios and he's got a, a him and Louie the partners in the business and I help them out spotting talent and that um, young Alex involved in that as well Alright, cool. Um, and that's about it these days and apart from that it's, you know, it's that time of year back in the weekend footy, Saturday, Sunday well,
1: well, Is there any um, young talent that you can top off the top of your head? Oh, right there's
2: now? a fair bit coming through and obviously old mate Summers, coach in the 18, so we yep. talked to him a fair bit. There's always been talent coming through. You've just yep. got to try and harness it and make sure the kids don't get out of themselves and think that at 17 they're going to take on the world. It's a big, it's a big, big different story when you actually run out there in an AFL game.
1: Yeah, we, we jagged it last year with um, the draft. We got two out of two. There's only two of them, so we jagged it, but we sort of like. I know myself. I don't know about these guys, but I get into the under 18s and all that, yeah. mm. and try and try and work out what we're looking for and see how we go from there. So yeah.
2: No, Sumer's a good coach. He's a, he's, he's old school. So he's brought up in the um, in the garden here with his old man. So he doesn't. Yeah, it's a different era. These kids are on phones and iPhones and laptops and that. They wouldn't have seen what Sumer did. Do was up at two o'clock in the morning at <laughs> the markets buying and selling fruit and veg. And yep. he actually treats them. Keeps their feet on the ground and hits them straight between the eyes. So they actually, it's all new to them by the time they get to Summer, but a lot of them walk away saying that Summer's taught me a lot about life, which is yep. great. So, so he did, gets them prepared for the AFL, that's his job.
3: We're going yeah. ask But do you still keep in touch with Summer, obviously? For quite a bit, yeah. 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 So you obviously have a lot to do even through the talent. Through the talent yeah, work well, Summer and I
2: played till Cup 85, so yeah. we've been, been mates mm. for a long time. So we just touch base. I'll see him at games. He goes around, he helps out Colts mm. coaches and stuff. So. Him and Tony McCall, so we, we all keep in touch, here. Yeah.
3: Do you see him as a, f- an a- future AFL coach?
2: Oh, uh, Suhima's um, always been a very clever person. Mm. He's, uh, but you have to get to know Pete. A lot of people, yeah. for some reason, don't know that. Yeah. He's actually very astute, very clever in a lot of things he does. Yeah. Business, uh, he, he can go to the tab and he'll say that horse see going to win. He's actually yeah. good for that. He's yeah. good at tipping. And, but he's a very astute coach and very understandable. And mm. It's a shame he didn't get a chance. He went awfully close I think he might have one last ditch in the next year or two, and if that doesn't work out, he'll just go back to the garden, grab the fishing boat, and head out to the
0: sound. He's had a great result, hasn't he, yeah. with the under yeah. 18s. You know, they actually got a result on the field too, not just off the field, you know. So he, the talent's definitely there with coaching. With him. Well, I
1: thought it was a, a Monty. A chance. I thought it was a Monty to go out at Fremantle, but. He knows what goes on behind closed doors down there. So but I think too, with the the success of Chris Fagan too last
3: last few years at Brisbane, that could open doors for guys like Summer coming in late. I mean, what Chris Fagan's Sixty, I think. He's now
2: fifty-seven when he got a job. On.
3: Yeah, yeah. So, so he's yeah, he's close to now. nearly sixty. So i think clubs mightn't be too shy about because he's had a great apprenticeship i
1: mean when you look at it he's been wherever he's been he's been successful i think sammy newman's mm-hmm. always said it's an ageist thing mm-hmm. and mick Mouldows. if you've got an age there they seem to look at your age and go oh no nah, mm-hmm. but it's good that chris fagan's buck that trend so yeah, yeah.
2: Different in America, they go the opposite way you yeah. 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 almost get the job until you're 60. <laughs> yeah. yeah whereas fagan's uh, a real good people's manager Mm. And that's where slimmer has got the old school coaching, so he's good at managing the group as a whole, Yeah. And keep everything. Mm. And you've got another twenty blokes around you who can yeah. decide for positions and training yeah. and stuff like that. So he'd be very good mm. in that position. I've no doubt.
3: Now you got the um, you got you scored the nickname of Muddy, and it stuck with you not only through the games but through the, all the supporters. Mm. Yeah. Where did that stand? how did that originate? Who, um, who, who originated that name for? Well,
2: you? I, I'm the youngest of three three boys, so. It was down to warts was the nickname for the old the older brothers which passed on to me the waters at footy yeah. and i remember at a pub in uh, honolulu in hawaii on a footy trip in 88 and john miles he was always the character said marty come over here we're all, uh, on the gas it was late at night and then mm-hmm. the next morning wake up and Everyone started calling me Muddy around the pool. It never stops. It's amazing when you go to even any sports club. You get footy, you walk in, someone calls you something. That's it. You got it for life. You don't get a choice in your nickname. But no, I have a couple. Some people call me Curl because Paul P also our best mates. They call us the Curl Brothers, and generally
0: Muddy's the one though. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, so uh, this one will throw back a bit to before I was even walking, we've gone that far back I want to talk about the draft because uh, apparently we didn't uh, actually enter the draft in 87 so how did you end up at the club or did any other con- uh, clubs contact you?
2: No, this is the thing and I actually get a bit irate when some other people say that we're a, a state team and a domestic cop because if you go through that era of the guys who played in the 85 Till Cup there was myself, Scott Waters, Paul Chris Lewis Summer, Bluey, Woosh uh, I think there was three or four of them that had been spoken to, but no-one had come and got it. Mean, Mick was trying to get Liberty to go to foot scrape, but no-one had come and got us. And then the Eagles come up, and we all started thinking, let's stay. So what happened in 88 with a, there was They were given nine supplementary, supplementary picks. Um, and this is a story, no-one would have heard it. It got down to um, one position left, and there was myself and another player. Now, back in 1988, when Toddy was coaching was the last bicentennial Australian Carnival. That's right. Yeah. In March of that year, it mm-hmm. might have been late February. So what happened one weekend, all the boys came over from Over East and played in a scratch match with the Eagles. Toddy was gonna to pick the state match and finalise his selection. So it was a stinking that leader label. He's put me on a wing on Nicky Winmar, who's you know, just hit his straps and good player. And a couple of minutes in I can just tell Nicky wasn't to throw his best game out here he's come over and <laughs> thought i'm not wasting my ear so i jumped on it and just cleaned him up <laughs> the story goes and i had mal apple's a very good family friend uh he was very tied up there he was very start board meeting at the end of the game we voted three two on the other player and i was out and bill Kerr was the chairman and stood up and said you're making the wrong decision i'm overriding the whole board and we're going for this bloke instead of him I'm not going to mention the other guys, name you know not to play a couple of games somewhere else. But I was a smidgen away not from getting picked in the, in the Eagles. Right, in Jesus. First place. So, Great story. Uh, as they put me out the the jumpers, I didn't get one, which didn't bother me. Toddie walked up and said, you've got the last Guernsey for the year. Right. Yeah, and said, well, you signed up on Monday. And away we went. Yeah, that's so amazing. Isn't That's his history, incredible. isn't it? And it's yeah. very close to not being going my favour.
1: Mm. It's that fork in the road moment, yeah. as they say. Yeah. Yeah. Sliding doors so who as a kid do you, did you support and who were your idols and your biggest influences
2: um uh, my folks were mozzie park so it was always clamor we followed a lot um so i was sort of seven or eight when the cracker boys came up um everyone was all the rage i was just i've gonna a when it was when it was a full house uh and i reckon out of that Probably my favourite player was Ken Under, and I sort of developed my game a bit around him, just yep. trying to take the big marks and left footer. And I just—he's he, one of the great players of all time, as far as I'm concerned. And I was in, because Cades had already been to North, and North from those grand finals mid '70s was when I was six or seven years of age. You tend to follow what you watch, mm. so Blighty became a favourite footballer of mine from from the um, the winners' days. Mm. Um, yes, yeah, so a There was a lot of good players around those days. I love watching that. And it was very fortunate to have still played a little bit in the, in the 80s when I was coming through.
1: Mm. Ah, cool. Um, we'll, we'll go on to the footy at the Eagles. Do you remember your debut game against Footscray? Yeah, I certainly do. It was at the
2: Wacker. My old ass was coaching. Um, didn't do too much that night. We lost, I think, by about a goal. Um, I had. Well, I was actually getting dragged. I started uh, at half-four and Dougie Organs picked me up and I couldn't get near it as I was running off the wing, the ball came out half-back and mate, he kicked it to me turn around and hit Rossman then he went the chest, I was pretty chuffed with that <laughs> but uh, didn't do a lot that night but he followed me up the following week at Sydney he gets the Swans and I end up in the top three or four and the best players on the ground so it was a pretty tough tough 88-89 uh, were pretty tough although 88 was a pretty good year in the end
1: Yeah, because mm. yeah, you were, I think you just is that the year Grandstead missed
2: the, yeah, yeah? yeah well, there's another funny story sliding doors I was a sparky back in those days, working for my father, I was out at the Dinell Shopping Centre digging holes on a Thursday and the bloke from John Holland came out and said, John Todd's on the phone. I said, get out of here, mate. And I was a third year apprentice, 19 or something. He goes, no, no, he's. so I went to the office thinking, how would he know where I'm working? And it was Todd. He said, just want to let you know early in the week you're playing in the final this week. I said, OK. Um... And then I remember sitting there all prayed and having breakfast. I was one of the last tables to get up till three of us and I had to be last in the line. We're walking past Bob Manning and uh, Toddy and the boys and Tony grabbed me and said, oh, I've changed my mind, I'm gonna drop me out of the team and put Murray Renstead in because I didn't wanna get him all fired up early in the week. I just wanna tell him late. Hey. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> goes misses the goal right yeah. right the of the game. So right. Jeez. I, I was in I was in for two days and then out. And <laughs> I
3: love hearing those stories. you, you don't I've got a help
2: helping a few kids now that are just yeah. struggling with Colts footy and getting yeah. cut and dropped and yeah. saying, this is a part of footy, this is yeah. what makes you better. Mm. Yeah, so I've got to sit and be down and talk to him. But yeah, I mean I there was another one in nineteen ninety, the week Troy Eagle and myself drove on the bus not knowing who was going to play. So in the end, I played in the drawn final, got dropped for the following Troy played and we got cleaned up by ten goals, so he fell yeah. to his back. Yeah. I went back into the Melbourne game and kicked six the week after at are Right,
3: yeah.
2: So it's funny how it all happens. These coaches have their ways of doing yeah. it just to keep you on your toes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You no, it, it does work.
1: You ended up with a name Mr. Fixit, so I guess you were
2: happy with that. Well I played a lot of juniors in uh, midfield got to the league footy, well the first time I played half-back was in the Tilt Cup because we, we had a really good turn, mm-hmm. we won it by well, a fair bit and there was everyone was midfielder. So Bluey was, so me and Bluey played half-back flank uh, and Mushy got the nod as the on-baller. So as Ty grew up I went uh, sort of half full wing on-ball Ishmael, and then um, a bit of that over the course of the next couple of years and I remember in... 1990 I cracked my ankle trying to take mark of the year in the first scratch match. So I didn't play until the finals that year. Then 91 had a massive pre-season. I remember early on in the pre-season, Mick came to me and just said, look, I reckon set your sights on having to get your strength up and fitness. He said, I reckon I'm going to put you behind the ball because you're such a good kick and we need more of that coming out. And from there I just went there and I thought well, no, I'd, with Bluey and Wusher it didn't bother me because I thought I was going to play somewhere there on the bench. And I knew I could play midfield, wing and forward, so I thought, well, I'll have this string to me bar, and that's how that evolved. Mm. Um, I remember there wasn't a spot.
0: He would say, I need him on the bench so I know we can go somewhere else. Yeah. It's amazing, that story, because even the modern days, quite based on, I believe, Shepherd and Duggan inside right now, was the same thing. They're midfields, and then they've moved and developed them yeah. back, so I think it's a good fitness base.
1: And... Yeah. Well,
3: you are going
0: to 3D vision almost, you know, 360 vision. I think they like building small defenders or defenders from midfielders.
1: I don't know where defence is, so I don't know what you're talking about. We <laughs> 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 yeah. go years ago about the guys. Neither, neither
0: swimmer. Was <laughs>
2: like, uh, yeah.
1: does a winger or a small forward? Go <laughs> a guy like, like
3: uh, <laughs>
0: Don
3: Pike. Don Pike was a rover, and then they put him into his, uh, a tagging role, didn't they? Yeah. Tagging midfielder. Well, he, was a
2: he, was a, he was a good midfielder. I played Colts against him. Then he was locked in as a forward proper. with told and then he, he was at the crossroads with Mick. He was going to leave, and they said no. I want to throw you know, this different role
1: yeah yeah i remember seeing yeah, here the look. podcast mick talking about don yeah. saying they sort of butted heads because mm. he wanted him to play a certain role and don was the Jared nation mold mm-hmm. and he said at the end of the year if you want to move i'll move you to a club and at the end of the year don come up and said no i'm staying uh, so yeah. it's pretty interesting that you back well, that he Back that up he didn't look back once he on that tagging role.
0: Mm. All right, so I've got a bit of an easier question. A lot of players today are very superstitious with their numbers, and I hope I've got this information right. So you started off as 31, then went to 39. Is there a story behind that? Did you prefer 39, or was it I wore, passed down? No, I
2: wore 39 at the addition So Because my brother wore it, Russell, and he left at the end of 86, so I jumped into 39. And then when I got the West Coast and uh, second year, well, the first year Ron Alexander was wearing he had 36 or 7 on the list so he was yep. wearing 39 uh, and I just ended up with 31 for some reason and then Brett Hedy came and he got 39 and then uh, Johnny Nee left I think and 2 two was available, maybe Wally McTier and 1 became available so Brett and Tommy Kent wanted to move down to 1 and 2 so I went to Izzy and said, I well, actually waited till he was half full of it one day at lunch I said oh, I want to change numbers he goes well we we'll, we'll it I said, no, I'm to back out. i was going go 39 that's what I wore at O'Shavenal. So it was only because what I wore before.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Simple as that. Okay. Uh, 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 All right. <laughs> I just <laughs> lost where I was. You yeah. know what? I've got the wrong glasses on, yeah. so... <laughs> um, as fans growing up and get you guys getting to the flag in 92, what was the difference between 91's grand final to 92?
2: Um, well, the result mainly... Uh, we did a lot of things wrong in 91. We didn't go to the uh, the parade. Mm-hmm. There was all that sort of stuff. And all this was out of our hands. I mean, the players were just sitting there ready to play. We got out there at, at Waverley and saw this howling wind coming down. But we weren't out of it. I remember late in the first quarter, I was playing on Tony Hall and uh, a couple of other guys went through there. We were 5-1. to one. I remember late in the first yeah, quarter. Years are up. Two so. got through and just hit Dunsell right on the chest he turned around and banged them. I remember we were going at quarter time looked at the scoreboard thinking 5-3 would have loved it being 5-1 I reckon that 5 minutes of footy cost us because mm. we went in 10 points down at half time mm. but 17 points uh, 17 points down at half time I think maybe 10 at three quarter time but had we been four goals up at quarter time and gone in equal at half time I reckon it would have been a different story we could have yeah. grown a the league but mm. at three quarter time we were chasing our tail when you're behind with a five goal breeze it was always tough but then you go back, you go 12 months forward and we walk out the MCG. I mean, that was at Waverley too, mm. different, different, over, which we'd had a lot of success at actually, because it was mm. so big. But then you go forward 12 months and we run out the MCG and it's just a beautiful day. Mm. You just feel that we were going we were on that day. Well, at least one of us was. Mm. Was did on you, the
0: wing. Did you feel a little, a lot calmer too, being through it once in 91? Because I don't know how I've even seen this, but I saw news footage. Uh, of before the game and I don't know if you remember this but they showed the Eagles squad just jogging around the park out the front and all the Geelong supporters just watching us go for a jog out the front. Yeah, we were
2: at the uh, Hilton right across the road in 92 and we were, the fictional guards are next door so we'd get up in the morning and there's people everywhere doing the breakfast and stuff so we had yellow shirts on, we'd go for a stretch and a jog, and then Mick made a point of meeting or we'll just meet downstairs with your bag you take on the game, we're not catching a bus, it's only over there, so we just walk straight down through the trees. Yeah. And I think I think the Geelong people there was a few snipes in that but I think they couldn't believe what we're doing. And we just yeah. a, we were like pack mentality and we just walked yeah. and everyone got out the way. It was quite funny. Yeah. You,
0: you could actually see that it was you almost shocked them into yeah. silence. They didn't
2: know what to say. Like, that's the Eagles, and you're just walking down the normally street. It's going me and I was underneath. You don't yeah. see We mm-hmm. just casually walk around the far side. And it was great for the Eagles, because they're yeah. all coming here. they yeah. mm-hmm. yeah. to see us until we run out. But it was quite funny that the Victorians are thinking, well, this is a little bit arrogant, or in some way, what are you doing? Well, it worked, they didn't bother Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No one was going to do anything. because it it's quite funny, really. And
1: what was the feeling when you come back to Perth?
2: Um, no. we we're pretty tired. Old state, old state had stopped. And yeah, no, it was pretty good. It took a few days to sink in, and once we got through the Sunday, then we went back to the oval and did the cup and all that sort of stuff. We then had three or four days. Um, the club always went to Steve's hotel, but the old Steve's just Martin became the former chairman, yep. yeah. run it, so we'd have a full day there. But that was yeah. So uh, we have a we have a big lunch with all the staff at, at Steve's. With, with Murray and putting that on and uh, that's a good day because even the staff who, back then went had full mm. time, a lot of them, they all got jobs, so mm. they take a day off and I, I actually I think it's the long weekend over here, the start of school holidays in fact, so, yeah. but we all, we all went together, a good times, there was still quite a big staff back then, um, yeah and then Tuesday's generally rest day, Wednesday pub crawl, all publicans throw a fair bit of booze at us and, then, but if you can survive till Wednesday night, you generally have <laughs> a few days off, and that's when you sort of get home and start realising what you've just mm. achieved. And then coming up to the next, the next ones the fairest and best, which is either that weekend or the weekend after. Yeah. And then you're getting the dusting off the passport, get ready to head overseas and do whatever we do. Back yeah. in those days, we had footy trips, which don't yeah. happen anymore. I still got yeah. a little bit of a group that uh, ninety-two. I think we actually just went to Queensland for a week. I think in ninety-two, so. But it didn't really matter. We did a couple of uh, did a exhibition game in Portland, Oregon, in '90. We had '94 and seven over in London. We had a couple of good games over there. And they were great fun. Yeah, just get all the boys together. Yeah, you know, we were scallywags back then, but you didn't have yeah. iPhones around, yeah. either, so you get
3: away with it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, the media would be on it now, wouldn't they? Yeah. So it was '92 and '94, and '92 was obviously epic because it's our the, one, the first one yeah. first one. Two things. What. Um, what what, t- what did Mick say after '91? You, you obviously lost and um, you had dejected. It really, must have said a lot to get you back. You got there back in '92. Not many clubs now go back to back or yeah. continually in those grand finals. And you obviously still catch up with all the players in um, yeah, that yeah. you played in those grand finals with.
2: We um, it was hell bent on right from day one pre season. There was no slacking off. So. Mm um and so brian dawson would run it he'd just be there barking instructions Mm. the first month or two so a lot of running around perry lakes and stuff and Mm. that time of year it's hot so we just we just necessarily when you got guys like horsefowl and brennan and evans and jackovich and guys that are so driven you're just never going to let up so you Mm. just have to you're going to roll up and do it otherwise you get left behind we had such a good squad you know uh matty Clapper ended up leaving and become a premiership player Then lady left left, there was some good guys that Paul Pios left and came back, There's was some good guys left because they just couldn't get spots, so we were all mm. well, it was me, Wusher, Bluey, Dean Lainley, Paul, Pios, Matt Clapper, they we were all halfback flankers, mm. seven doesn't go into two, yeah. so the guys had to leave to get opportunity. so that pushed you become better and that's mm. where the, my um, flexibility role came into it but yeah, but he, he just um he was just a, a hard coach and i saw him back off a little bit late 90s because mm. we that, that that group had done what it could by the end of 95 96 yeah. and then the, the gear and brawns and all them started yeah. coming through cousins and wearers and all those sort of guys so i think took a little bit of a different tack and started mm. heading towards those younger boys more and we all just slowly dropped off one by yeah. one but yes we do uh, a, a few years ago south whatsapp ninety two, ninety four, 94 we played in those two and we just chip each other it's yeah, great. Yeah. Um it'll be someone's birthday and we're all getting in our fifties now and it just comes from Because yeah, you know, Bawley's over in Sydney and Bush's over in Melbourne, Bluey's in Melbourne, uh, Tommy Kemp's down Margaret's, there's guys all over the job that yeah. is up in, in Headland yeah. a fair bit. We uh, yeah, there's jokes and things just coming through all the time. Yeah. No, that's great. Um, one year the very first race day that's got over here we organise a box and those guys get in there. We've been doing that since Monday's 10th anniversary. Um, so we've got four or five of those. And what we do is we put forwards, backs and bids in the three teams. So yeah. We chuck in the hundred bucks each on them. Uh, I think Nizzy's got cover the day a couple of times. And then we have special invites, some of the staff and some of the guys who were on that list in that year and just yeah. missed out with emergencies and stuff. And we've actually grown into some other guys. We had uh, Brett Spinks and Dean Irving there last year with us. We guys we just hadn't caught up with stuff. It's great. Yeah. And had a members the other night. I grabbed Glass and said, look, it's time you I said, this day we have the races. we have a great day of the box. I mean, whatever we win, we chuck it in, we go to a little bar in Northbridge afterwards and kick on. It's in October, it's the only time Woosh can let his hair down and <laughs> someone's not doing anything, Pike was coaching. And, um, so Glassing and those guys are, are starting to... I said, get the O6 boys and get a box, we have a real big day. You know, and yeah. In the next four or five years, get the 18 boys and do the same. But yeah. we're, we're a unique group, because you walk into that room a couple of years ago, Richard, and they... Adelaide in the grand final and within an hour, pike was giving that much advice on why he lost the grand final. Yeah. <laughs> and Jacka walks into these four grand finals and David Hart walks up and just starts punching him in the guts and says, "Mate, you went that good." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we just, we just, we just, we love, we love being in the same room. Even Bush understands it. We know yeah. ahead of the other one. We yeah. all walk in, we just take it out of each other. Yeah. And then when we get uh, a couple of invitees, a couple of old blokes we haven't seen for a while, we just get stuck in and we're making a fun day. And everyone. It, Pikey just expects it, Woosher expects it. but well, at the end of the night, you know that David Hart's going to try and punch Woosher in the head. <laughs> <laughs> Woosher's sitting there with a smile on his face going, come on, come on. And we just have fun with each other. Because yeah. we, we know that no one bothers us. We're in a box. Even when we go to town, everybody just stays away, just lets us go. Because they realise that we're having a rear Yeah. And we're all 50 now, so it doesn't really bother us. But it's yeah. great, you know. And Bluey came over a couple of times and um, uh, we're trying to get to uh, I think, I think it's already in the car. Joffa Miles is on the special guest list this year, and he's yeah. in Melbourne. So Joffa in the bloke, we catch up with him. We, when we go to Melbourne, we catch up with Wush and the boys, and we get hold of uh, Joffa, the big Russian, Alex Ashenko, Dizzy O'Connell, and all those guys yeah. that played with us back in that day. And we all catch up at a cafe pub and catch up with them guys as well. Yeah.
0: So yeah, there's a lot of us that's still hooked up. No, it's good. So i got a question for you. It uh, doesn't sound as important now after that conversation. That was a good one. But uh, as people listen to the podcast know, I'm, I love my stats. It's a guilty pleasure. mine. I like dissecting the game after it, seeing what, who got that. And it's so crucial now with the coaching where they do dissect the stats and your um, line coaches will pull you aside and show it to you and basically give a rundown of the game. Uh, was that similar to when you played or was it more just have a beer and... Play your role, kind of thing. It wasn't stats orientated as much because the
2: amazing thing about Mick, he would know about a bloke that you were going to play on. He would go. When I started playing on Hawkins, he coached him for eight years when he was really almost the best player of the comp. And he told me all about him, the third or fourth time he came up, said, You got him again. And he said, He's pretty rapidly, because I knocked him over three or four times. <laughs> and he told me, he said, He likes you. And I said, You shouldn't have told me that. That softened me up a bit. And I remember going out at no one day, it was freezing cold, blowing. And he was 94, I reckon he's 33 or 4, and I'm 22 or something. I walked out and he put his arm around me. He said, How you going, young waters? And he gave me a big kiss, and I thought, Here we go. <laughs> Because he was shifty and I thought you're going to try and help me here and sure as because the first ball came out went up to a pack and I'm watching it and it was muddy so I just dived in and his arms and legs everywhere but I looked around the back and Doug slipped around the back of the pack and he's sitting there with his arm cocked ready for me to come out the other side and I thought you smart basically he just wanted to cock me in the first first minute of the game but when I walked out he gave me a big kiss yeah. that's the sort of stuff you were up against back in those days yeah. 80s 90s Setting you up. And then you walk yeah. off and go, I you know, might have had ten or eleven, I don't know. your stats were always in the west side footy, whatever it was. Yeah. But the only stats we were worried about was another day I played against Target Subi, and I had him absolutely cold, six possessions, ten minutes in the third quarter. I thought, right, I'm gonna go get a kick, so I had that one. But my yeah. job was to stop him. The seven minute mark he kicked three goals. And I thought, you idiot, what'd you do that for? So I went <laughs> straight back in, locked on and stopped him again. But that was playing and great players. They do that. Yeah. And I just thought we had him called with five up. Yeah. And I let him off the hook, and gave him a meter, and two or three times, and he just whacked me, just like that.
3: Did, give did he give you a block? give you a No, no, you didn't have to because
2: he knew I'd done the job, but no. he, he just said, "You let yourself, you let yourself down in that five minutes." Mm. You know, he got you for three. He yeah. would, know, he would walk off and say, "I got three, but I did nothing else." Yeah. But I'm disappointed he got the three. Yeah. So I could have just locked him out, and walked off with probably five possessions yourself, but I've done the job on him, and that's how I win the game.
1: Mm. Well, you talked about Dougie Hawkins. I think in 91, you took a big mark over the top of him, didn't you?
2: Yeah, he took me the goal square, Doug. I remember the runner came out and said, take him the goal square and go one-on-one. The first ball came down, so I jumped on his end and took <laughs> so, <laughs> Which wasn't intended, it was just sitting there. So, yeah. Um, no mark of the year then? No, I don't know what happened that year. I, he actually, someone had a friend One of my uncles had uh, a pub out in Armadale. he walked in one night and had it on the wall. He signed it for us. But... Um, I did get, that one was in, the, in 96 they did the top 100 marks of the century, so that one got into the 90s actually, so I got yeah. a, people from the AFL rang me said, we've got oh, all heap of cards that you want, just send over you to sign, and then I was very fortunate to take a, a big hanger in the file in 93, and that made the top 10 of the century, oh. so it became a gold card, so they sent about 200 over, and so said we need you to sign them <laughs> for um, all these things they were doing up, so yeah. uh, I've still got um, a copy of that. And that was a good one, yeah, that was just out of nowhere. I was playing loose man defence, I was supposed to be punching the ball, but just got kicked out with Jacko and Wayne Carrier Then I just went, bang, and all of a sudden it was stuck in my arms. I thought, that's all right.
1: Um, that was good. Um, we, you briefly t- talked about Moldows. What was the difference between him and Johnny
2: Todd? Uh, well, Mick had so much knowledge on the opposition, just individual players, going yeah, back to what I was talking about. He, um, he knew everyone from Victoria, and knew how to play the, the grounds better. John was... John was more suited to the WA the way the game's played. Yeah, um, probably just didn't have that knowledge and the connections in Melbourne to find out what was going on. Where Mick had like I did, scoreboards, up trees around the corner, watching who was training, who <laughs> was going to be in. He had all the intel, and that well, well, the stats didn't worry about us as long as we knew who we were playing against and what we we're doing. Um, he was very good at working out. I mean, we didn't have again, we didn't have iPhones, so we weren't getting weather mm-hmm. updates from Melbourne. So Wednesday Wednesday Thursday, he'd be thinking it's going to be. Looking like a very fine day, and he'd know we'd play well that day. We'd be sitting out at the end of training, and he'd say, um, Make sure you take your raincoats and your long studs, it could be a wet one. And we'd be going, to, Oh, oh freezing cold Melbourne. And knowing for well, we didn't wake up Saturday morning, the sunshine, and he'd know that that would go right I'm on Monday because of the sunshine, it's like WA. So he'd play with our minds a little bit, and he was smart. We caught on to it later on. But early days, we didn't have no way of finding out what the, time, what the Melbourne weather was, even Friday night time the news came on and gone, we would sort of get off the plane, go into the hotel, we would chuck our bags and we'd down walk around the, the block have a stretch and then straight into dinner, straight into the team meeting, it was 839 o'clock. at the time, we got some free time, so we missed all the weather and
0: all that sort of stuff, so he was very clever in that. All right. So we touched on quickly about, uh, you know, it was such a great squad back then that uh, players were kind of pushed out and left the clubs. Uh, did anyone ever actually chase you from other clubs during your career? Fremantle. Fremantle, did. At the beginning of 94, uh, I was at the crossroads of... Well,
2: it was actually Trevor ragney who was a selector at '92. Um, he was asked to help get the squad together. He knew I was coming out of contract there in 94. Yeah. So there was a couple of phone calls made. I had a manager back then just looking after my affairs and he said, look, you could probably get triple what you're on. And I said, yeah, I reckon we're going to go again. So in the end, I didn't get... The extra money, which was, when well, I say triple, wasn't... Oh, like, starting wasn't, club, I know what you're saying. It wasn't going to be time, but they were to pay more yeah, debt, to get that. pull us apart, and I'd end up signing about halfway through the year, and signed a four-year deal, and stayed, is, that's the longest stay for life, and uh, we pulled the second flag, so that was, in the it was good to see it. Yeah, we're glad you stayed, that's mm-hmm. for sure.
3: Well, you uh, you've done a lot of coaching over the years, you uh you did a stint at Subi, and uh, did you take over from Pete German at Subi? No, Scott Waters. Scotty Waters was yeah. it? Yeah. Before that, you're at the and Eagles. Before that, you're at appeal,
2: Peel. So and you go. started West Coast. Did two there, four or five at Freo. Four at Peel and two at Su- uh, Three at Subi, sorry.
3: Yeah. So what drove you to take up the coaching? And, and were Malthouse and Toddy big influences on you? Uh, for
2: well, Mick, yeah, Mick wanted me to. So yeah. I... I was training during pre-season 99 and then I had a tight hammy and there was a game, It was in February, there was a game over East, so I had a tight hammy and the rest of us were staying back, training at level level, doing a bit of max in. Yeah. And I raced and tackled Josh Wood and hit me straight down the middle of it, and my whole body buzzed. So I walked off and saw Rod got who we hadn't travelled and told him and he said we need to get scan, that's when mm-hmm. I found out I had real problems with my neck. Yeah. so I was contracted through 99 I had to go and immediately have my neck basically reconstructed and put the neck brace for 6 to 8 weeks and um, as I was lying in the hospital uh, Tim Jepper was a part the full time s- assistant coach had taken up a role in the stock market with this new business mm. so Mick sent the boys up and said Mick wants you in the box so mm. I actually was just I was getting paid to play so I just got paid what I was ever, ever under contract yeah um then he left and judgy came back and i played uh, my first year with judgy at 87 mm. for half a year he got redrafted to brisbane in that June draft and i signed a contract and but before i signed it i knew jerry mack pretty well and he rang me up and said drummy wants you to come down here that mm. was about a day after i committed and i said oh look i appreciate it, but i've made a commitment to judgy so i'm going to follow that one at least for mm. 12 months yeah and I sort of did that and I thought if I've ever got to go to the top I probably need to move even if it's down the road because well, I've put me playing where doesn't matter done that doesn't matter where I go now can mm. coach it. a lot of them do it, just swap clubs just to get out of that environment um, and I had the offer and Jerry um, rang again and I went and met with Drummy who was under the pump anyway mm. so I just eventually and I decided to go down there I knew Shorty Mack and Cooking all those guys and knew Hayes was coming through so mm. something to work with there um, but Drummy didn't last the year and then Coles came in with Shrobby and actually had three or four good years with those guys. And then there was a point where I thought, oh, I've got to go, I don't want to travel anymore. So I know six, Ben was born, he was four, Alec was ten, Jake so was about seven or eight. So I'd gone from 88 to basically 2005, just non-stop travelling. Yeah. And I thought, time to get out. And there was a couple of opportunities, Perth and Peel. And the wife would really wanted me to go down to Peel because I know I had property. And you know. my mum and dad lived down there now, and so's my, my brothers. So I took that on as a development role, and it worked all right, last year just fell, fell apart a little bit with bowels left, mm. and, and the kids were going up and getting close to high school. Alec did high school in year eight, I think I thought, time to move back. And mm. I got the phone call from Mick, do you want to come to Collingwood? I said, no. Nah, kids are settled over here, I'm going back to town, and then I got a phone call, said, Neil Randall was talking to you. Mm. So I went up, I knew Randy, I went and had a chat, and he said, mate, I think you should apply for the CV job. And I wasn't ready to finish, I thought, I oh, just, you know, Peel was a tough one, but, and Super was, big enough, Super was going to be tough at coming off what they'd just done, yeah. three or four grand finals. And all the boys nearly really shot, but I knew them all and I had to retire a few of them, but we had a real good shot out in 2011. And we missed out in the grand final. But mm. we, uh, then the next year it fell apart, Scully took over. Same thing happened to him his first year, fell apart even worse. I think I no. won seven my last year, he won six in his first year. His injuries just crueled him. But, through that they just blooded about 20 young guys and they ended up winning, those guys end up going on yeah. and winning flags. It's funny how it works, I mean, you say, oh, that bloke couldn't coach, but something, sometimes you just can't coach because it just doesn't work for you. Yeah. The next bloke gets the cream and that bloke will say, oh, you know. It's like Peter German always says that Kevin Sparks, who coached him for three years before that, he, yeah. had, he had to leave on personal reasons, but yeah. he coached a young Ben Keevers, young Brad Smith and all those guys gone to two prelims and unfortunately had to go to the country because of the business yeah. situation and German came in and went bang bang, got two mm. flags.
3: Do you ever any hunger to go back into coaching at all?
2: No, no, I sat at the hill first year, so 13 was Alex's first uh, mm. culture. The next two or three years had opportunities, but I thought, no, I'm just enjoying this. Let me discuss whether we should, I might help the boys with sports manager, I thought mm. that'll do me. Um, yeah, you can't keep going forever, it actually consumes no. your life a lot, coaching.
3: I, I suppose it's hard too, especially with Jake now, and you want to go yeah. and watch them. The yeah, well, I've been with Jake,
2: he went through his trials and tribulation <laughs> for three years, but even now, now I mean, hmm. I'll go and watch some Colts games and see if there's any kids around to have a look yeah. at, but then I'll hang around and we'll drive off and go and watch Alec and then yeah. work out where Jake is, it's a bit of a merry-go-round on the yeah. weekend, but... Um, can't imagine Selwood the they felt yeah. <laughs> They're, They're all over the place, too. But no, I, I still, even now I get asked to go and help. But it, it's just, if, if I do it, I know if I want mm. yeah, yeah, to, to go coach, i am going to commit. you
1: got to give 100%. Yeah, have to do it. right? So
2: that's why I don't. I choose not to. I'll go and talk to clubs or help out at training and stuff, but yeah. I just can't commit to the full season. No, that's
1: good. Well, you briefly just talked about your sons. How early on at the Eagles did they come and talk to you about Alec and. And Jake, did
2: uh, you know, no, a while no, out? Or? No, no, it wasn't until it wasn't very late. Because um, they're still developing and you don't know. Um, I, mean, you, I don't know what it's like to recruit. You can spot a by at 16 and think, he's he's the ant's pants? And then two years later, you go, hang on, no, he's not. These other blokes come through. Um, so it wasn't until the end there was a, an indication with Alec. In fact, they didn't tell us they were going to, until right the day before the draft. Okay. on Both occasions. So they just they just fired. Because they're going to work out... And this is you know, in the last 10 years, It's become very strategic.
1: Yeah, it right. is, it's all bidding and it's points.
2: Bidding and life, it's hard to keep up with, so. Because
1: um, no one made a bid on Alec, so that's why they took him later on.
2: Yeah, and so with Jake. I mean, yeah. Jake was last in the draft. Mm-hmm. But in Jake's case, there was, well, oh, it's probably, I will say, probably deals done where there's five or six other father-sons that if you don't pick ours and we won't pick yours. Mm-hmm. And there's other guys other clubs, you might think, well, why didn't they do it? They haven't got one, but they know that Jack Silvani's up in the next year's draft. So if you're going to stuff on us around there, we're going to come for Jack yeah. Silvani next year. So there's a bit of... I think the recruiters in the clubs have become... And I think you saw Essendon bid on Jack Silvani. There's the Essendon Carlton up rivalry. But I think there's a, an honesty amongst all the, all the clubs and the recruiters that, you know... I think we're going to make sure that it's still tradition. So if we've got yeah. our father-son's coming through, don't go stuffing it up for everyone else because one day it's going to happen to you and someone's going to try and bid you and force your hand. And it has happened a couple of times because club's generally not that player. But uh, in the case of Jake, I know there was a, a handful with Alec. Um... He was one to but I think he was going to slip through towards the end anyway.
1: And Ali, he's back at Claremont still he got back, He got
2: back last year and did most of pre-season and felt pretty good. And then punching his lung in the third, third oh. game against West Coast, young Harry Edwards put his knee straight through him. So there's ten weeks gone. He was in hospital for a week, so you can't do anything. You lose your fitness. Got back and yeah. um, dropped him for a, dropped him out for a final season. Couldn't work out was wrong his having. Anyway, this went all through but this pre-season. We found out he had a bulging disc in his back and he's been able to get that it's sort of right. Uh, I watched him on the weekend. He was pretty good on the weekend in the first half. He was a bit gassed in the second half. But he's, he's bigger now. He's going to strip, slip off a bit. But it's 23 going, 24. If he can get it right this year, he's still got, he's still got a chance.
3: He had the chronic fatigue, is it? Yeah, 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 it was
2: yeah, pretty adrenal bad. adrenal fatigue. So the chronic or adrenal. Yeah. It affects your adrenal glands. And,
3: and it was pretty bad, wasn't
2: it? Well, it affects your mind a fair bit. Yeah. And you lose confidence and trying to run, because if I do, mm-hmm. i go backwards. And there's a, a lot, lot of bad, and that. And it takes a bit longer than you think. So then there's that. Um, I remember the day he rang me up. He, he sent me a message, I'm going to have not And I went, you beauty. You know, go and have a beer. Because it, it happened when he was 18. So yeah. two and a half years yeah. later, all his mates had grown through his 18s mm-hmm. and 90s and 20s. And he said, at home. Just going of a bin, and then one Friday he rang me. Uh, not last year, the end of the year before. He said stuff like that. I might just go and play reserves tomorrow. And I would jump out of his skin. I said, well, "Hang on, you better bring Darcy coffee up." It was the footy manager then, just down to see Cleveland. I said, "I think they're going to have to pull some strings to get in because they're list going Thursday night." So we did that. Played a couple of reserve games, and then uh, him and Matt Palfrey were. They played five or six games. He went back to Hamos when they had and played. <laughs> Damn, I got to West Perth in the final, and I think they thought they were pretty confident. He said, I'll give his both one more than I'll bring in. And they got rolled by eight goals, so that was yeah. it. So then last year, he got the back and the bunch of loan. Now he's looking forward to, hopefully, he's about 80% fit, hopefully just playing footy. Yeah. And he's got, because of what he's been through, there's no absolute desire. If I don't make it, I don't make it. At the top mm. level, because he's now learnt. He's not, not at that 18 year old stage with the stars in his eyes. He's now a bit more mature. Yeah. Been through a bit and can sort of relax and take it into his time. Mm-hmm. If it happens, it happens. But yeah. he's certainly capable of being a very good waffle player if he can stay fit. Oh,
1: cool, let's hope it, oh, it works out for him. We're going to make this a two part show, so you're willing to stick around for a yeah. little bit yeah. and uh, we'll talk more about uh, Jake and the 2020 seasons yeah. coming up with Eagles. No worries. <laughs>